0: Hello everyone I'm very happy to finally have a look at the London Underground today with you all It's been a while since this has been suggested and I finally made it to London still have my Oyster card, visitor card here from Transport for London and we're going to dive a little bit into history today before we start i'd also quickly like to say thank you to christian nick and isabel for donating to my um, traveling budget or my shopping budget more specifically i have definitely made good use of it and also a big thank you to everyone who suggested places to go and where to find maps it's been a very successful trip so let's get into it the map that we're going to have a look at today is a diagrammatic history map this one's by Douglas Rose and I think this is the ninth edition if I'm not mistaken It's not a map of the underground, per se, so you won't see all of the lines. Instead, it's a map of the stations, the dates when they opened, when they were renamed, recited, or closed. Every date you could possibly want to know in one place. And honestly, that's quite a lot of dates, as you'll see in a moment. And As you can tell, it's almost a bit too big for our recording setup, but we'll make do. Now, the fascinating part about the London Underground, of course, is just how old it is. It was the first underground in the world, dating back to the middle of the 19th century, specifically to 1863 when the Metropolitan line opened here in this area from Paddington to Farringdon Metropolitan today, or short Metro has become synonymous with the Underground and for example in Paris the Underground is actually called Le Metro after the Metropolitan Shortly after the Metropolitan, the Metropolitan District line also opened, which would have been this part here And then very early on, we have a kind of circle around the city of London Now, the reason that this circle was built in the first place goes back a bit further in the 19th century London was growing very very fast so the centre was already quite crowded and then of course you have the new technology of the rail and you have a lot of rail lines bringing people in towards the centre adding to this congestion in the streets of London and we had an incredible 15 different terminal stations around this square mile of the city we'll just go through them for a second we have Saint Pancras and King's Cross which are two different stations historically when we continue in this area we have Broad Street which i think is not on this plan anymore it's been um changed into an area called broadgate so redeveloped we have liverpool street then fenchurch street which i also can't see here it might be because it's a railway station and those were not included on this map these are only underground stations so if the underground never stopped there it's not included on the map we have London Bridge down here Cannon Street a little further up we have Holborn Viaduct which I'm not sure if it's the same as Holborn right here or whether maybe it was a bit further south it Has been replaced by a different stop called Thameslink, but that's also not included on this map as it's not part of the underground. But anyway, it's here in this area. Then we have Blackfriars, Waterloo, Charing Cross, Victoria. Now we're going to jump up here towards Paddington, Marylebone, and Euston. And you can see, with the exception of Holborn, where I'm not sure whether this was here or somewhere else, you can see that we have almost a circle around the city of London. It was not allowed to build a central station, which added to this problem. But of course, one of the solutions that were proposed was to create a circle line. And the circle started with the Metropolitan Line. It was opened in 1863. Like I said, I went from Paddington here along this line past Euston to uh, King's Cross, St. Pancras, and then Parrington and we can see this here we have the additional information that for example Baker Street was opened on the 10th of January 1863 and here if we look at Paddington we can see that there's a number of different uh, stations, historically that have carried the name Paddington that have partly also changed their names but this one here opened as Paddington Bishops Road is from the 10th of January 1863 so this is the old one that's right, right here This is the old one, and it was renamed Paddington in 1933. The metropolitan is also interesting because these are not very deep tunnels. Initially, that is a technology that simply wasn't available. So instead, what they did is that they followed the streets in this area and used the so-called cut-and-cover method they would partly open the roads, create the tunnel, and then close it again and these tunnels are right under the street surface so they really aren't very deep and they're also a bit bigger than what we are sometimes um, thinking of when we think of the London Underground these are not really tubes in that sense but a bit larger than that the Metropolitan was extremely popular and very successful extended in all directions and one of the directions in which it it extended was here Mm -hmm. towards Harrow. and this area, this was a little bit outside so these are suburbs and these areas were actually bought by the Metropolitan Railway which then redeveloped this land and called it Metroland and for a long time people actually would say they lived in Metroland because it sounded a bit cooler than saying they lived in the suburbs or in Harrow or Middlesex so this is Metroland and these were quite popular because of course the idea is that you have a new house so everything was modern It's in a beautiful countryside, in the suburbs, where things are quiet and peaceful. But you have the underground, and if you need to get to the city, you'll be there in no time. And that, I think, is actually quite a modern thought. Um, Today in Vienna, we have a city development project called the Seestadt, which is not that different from that quite far outside of the center everything is brand new and modern you have a little lake in the middle and you have the underground taking you back into the center so again here with metroland quite modern thinking in the 19th century as the metropolitan line was quite successful the idea was to also create another line here on the southern side of the city and that today is the district line We can see this here in green the idea was to use the same method you use these cut and cover tunnels you follow the streets and ideally it should have worked the way it worked on the northern part however the um area is are a bit different here and it was a lot more expensive to create the same uh, lines as in the north Initially the Metropolitan and the District line were two different companies but with the idea that they would merge later You had um, the director of one company on board of the other you had the same engineers on both companies But as it turned out, since this was so expensive and the district line really had some financial issues The Metropolitan suddenly wasn't interested anymore and the merger never happened If we look at the south The district line opened in 1868 here from South Kensington We have the information up here, it opened on the 24th of December 1868 and it went here to Westminster these were the first stops in South Kensington Slown Square, Victoria, St James Park and Westminster but again if we look at embankment this was opened in 1870 back then called Charing Cross so just about two years later same goes for Temple, and Blackfriars, Mansion House 1871, Cannon Street 1884, sinful Monument, Tower Hill So the extensions happened quite quickly and you soon had at least almost a circle by the end of the 19th century, there were 550 trains running through London every day and people basically all got in the underground to get wherever they had to go however, these subsurface lines like the district line and the metropolitan, were run with steam trains and the tunnels could get quite uncomfortable quite hot, there was a lot of smoke and um, over time there were quite a lot of passenger complaints so people looked for other possibilities on how to build a tube and that's where our name tube comes from in 1869 so actually, just after the opening of the first underground lines the so-called Tower subway was created Now, this is not a subway in the way we think of it but rather it was a tunnel under the River Thames close to Tower Bridge So I think somewhere in this area if I'm not mistaken It's about 410 meters long Goes under the river. It used a so-called tunneling shield which protected the workers as they tunneled through this clay and sand under the Thames. It initially um, was supposed to use a cable-hold wooden carriage, so a small carriage that was pulled through the tunnel with a cable. However, it didn't fit very many people and wasn't very popular and the company went bankrupt pretty much the same year it was then opened as a pedestrian tunnel but eventually closed in 1898 so it wasn't open very long, it's not necessarily a success story however, it showed that it was possible to dig very very deep tunnels under London and that was then used to create an actual underground line and the first one was the Northern line that's the one here in dark blue and it was opened as City and South London Railway so I started here in the south and went up to the city Now, this too was intended for cable haul trains, such as like the initial tunnel under the River Thames. Again, this wasn't possible, so what they did was that they used electric locomotives. This was brand new and a little experimental, but it worked out. The Northern Line opened here in 1890 from Stockwell to Oval, to Kennington and we can see here there are two different lines one going this direction from 1890 and one going north but this one's a bit younger from 1926 so we're following the original one to Elephant and Castle Borough and then the first one we here to King William Street this was opened in 1890 and closed in 1900 so just ten years later and the tunnel too has been closed instead a new tunnel was created to London Bridge and then north to Bank here we are in 1900 and further north, Moorgate, or Street City Road, this one too has been closed, specifically in 1922. The Angel, King's Crossing, Pancras, and in 1907 he even reached Houston. Since then, it's been extended further north, and a couple of other train lines quickly were added to this list. Now, let's have a brief look at what this meant If you visit the London Transport Museum or its depot you can see some of these really old uh, trailer cars like this one from the Metropolitan Line this one is from 1904 and we also have One of the trains like they were used on the Northern Line. This one here is from the Piccadilly line, but the Piccadilly Line too is one of these deep level tubes, so they used similar trains. And the way these worked is that they had seating like this, like you probably know. It's quite typical today for the London Underground. However, they had much smaller windows as yes, the thought was that there was not much to see in the tunnels, they were quite narrow, a little bit higher up. Um, about 32 people fit into a train of three carriages, and you could get in and off here at the end of the train. There was a gate man riding along on the train, who would yell out the name of the stations, and allow the passengers to get on and off. The uh, tube lines were popular, however, they were a bit claustrophobic and they were sometimes nicknamed padded cells as you really were sort of squeezed in here with not much to see Eventually they were refitted and today you can get off here on the sides but these early tubes still exist even if the tunnels have been um, renovated and we have more modern vehicles. The reason that the London Underground feels a bit crammed and small is because these tunnels were created so early on. Another issue was how to get people to the new tubes. The elevator wasn't invented yet, so, oh, one of the experiments was just spiral elevator, this one here is from 1906 and you can see it looks a bit scary there aren't any handrails, so you can't hold on and uh, it's all a bit primitive I think um, and indeed here it says it was never used for public service there was no official reason given for abandoning the equipment but perhaps the narrow walkways, noise and lack of handrails meant that the Elegant Edwardian Londoners simply did not feel comfortable using it. So you had a lot of staircases at the start, but of course today you can use elevators. I think it's quite fascinating when you look through these old um, machines like these here from the thirties how different everything looked and also how elegant by the 1930s you had uh, quite an extensive tube network you can see this here on the geographical map of the city you can see that here towards the southwest towards the southeast we don't really have any tube connections still the case today but the city is quite dense and then some of the lines go quite far away Initially, these were private companies but eventually were put together under on one roof and you could use the same tickets with one system to use all of the underground You also soon have sort of this typical roundel It says underground Today you would have it with the names of the stations in the station, so you know where you are you can see here that it developed over time this one's from 96 Leicester Square and today in total there are 11 lines over two hundred and seventy-two stations the metropolitan line and the district line are the subsurface lines the metropolitan and the district line are the subsurface lines plus additionally There's the Circle Line, which is not included here, and Hammersmith and City. Hammersmith is here, and you can see that this is listed as part of the Metropolitan, which for a long time it was. Today, Hammersmith and City and the Circle Line are two independent lines, but they share the tunnels and stations with the Metropolitan and the District Line of the deep level tubes we have the Bakerloo line which is this one here from Elephant and Castle past Waterloo Embankment, Charing Cross Piccadilly Circus and Oxford Circus Regents Park Baker Strait Marylebone Edgeware Road Paddington and then north towards Harrow and Wildstone this one was opened in 1906 then in red we have the central line which has two different starts which connect at North Acton and then continue past Shepherd's Bush Notting Hill Gate, Queensway and Lancaster Gate Bond Street, Oxford Circus, Tottenham Court Road. Here we have an old station that was closed right at the British Museum. We have Holborn, Chancery Line, St Paul's Bank, Liverpool Street, Bethnal Green, Mile End, and then continue north past Stratford. Central lines from 1900. The Northern Line, we already said, is from 1890 and goes from Morden to High Barnard or Edgware. The Piccadilly Line is the one that you might get on when you arrive at London if you start at Heathrow. The oldest stations are from nineteen o six. Heathrow's the younger, nineteen seventy seven. And again, it takes you past Hamoeth Smith, Barons Court, where we hear back at the very, very old lines, nineteen o six. Earl's Court, Gloucester Road, South Kensington, close stop at Bronton Road, Knightsbridge, Hyde Park Corner. Station at Down Street, Green Park, Piccadilly Circus, Leicester Square, Covent Garden, Holborn, Russell Square, King's Crossing, Pancras and then north towards Cockfosters. Then we have Waterloo in City. Which opened in 1898 at Waterloo, logically. However, the um, tunnel here is from 1994 going up to Bank. And then we lose the Waterloo and City line. Um, not actually sure where it continues, but I assume that it shares some other connections with other tube lines. So these are the older tubes, and it took a while past the uh, First and Second World War until new train lines were built. It became pretty clear quite early on that they needed more connections as the Tubes were quite full most the time. Plans date back from the 1940s, however, it took a while until these new lines could be built. These are two lines, the Victoria from 1968 and the Jubilee line from 1979. Now the Victoria line is here in bright blue from Brixton here to Victoria, of course, Green Park, Oxford Circus, Warren Street, Houston, King's Cross, St. Pancras, up to Finsbury Park, Seven Sisters, to Tottenham Hill, Blackhorse Road, and Walthamstow Central. And the Jubilee Line in silver starts here at Stanmore, Cannon Park, Queensbury, Kingsbury, Wembley Park. These are all much older stations as you can see. They date to the 30s. So that was initially part of the uh, Metropolitan. But here we passed Baker Street, Bond Street, Green Park. And then this is even from 1999 to Westminster. Waterloo, South Park, London Bridge Verminsey and to Canada Water House West Ham, to Stratford. In fact, there are a couple more connections that are also not listed here You have the Overground part of which is listed here, a couple of closed stations but largely not included on the map so here in the area of canary wharf you have the dlr which is not listed it's an automatic um train that goes up here Um, i think it actually connects to stratford and to the city airport so in this area where you don't have a lot of tubes, quite useful and you also have the brand new Elizabeth line now, part of the reason this is not included here might be because the Elizabeth line opened this year just uh, six weeks ago and in the center it uses some of the other stations like for example here at Canary Wharf It also goes all the way to Heathrow, so you're not uh, reliant exclusively on the Piccadilly line which is quite good And it also uses some of the uh, rail lines further out However, they did um, create new tunnels through the centre So the Elizabeth line, which was previously called Crossrail, connects West and east London, and then goes past the borders of the actual city of course you have plenty of different kinds of trains This quite um, famous colour scheme that you see here on the Victoria line and then also some of the unpainted aluminium cars from the 50s however it was difficult to remove graffitis, so they went back to using paint And then of course, when it comes to public transport, you also have the famous trolley buses in London, the famous red color. And you have a couple of really interesting um, maps and models. If you do have a chance to visit the museum, like here, Piccadilly Circus. This is a station reconstruction from 1927. It was created by Harold Harding. Together with his wife, he later became one of the country's leading civil engineers and was knighted for his achievement and what I really like about this model here is just how busy it is you have tons of trolley buses here in the streets you have the different entrances here now here a circulating area where you have change kiosks, automatic booking offices Tobacco back of food and confectionery stalls, switch house underneath there's the machinery floor and then you have tons and tons of staircases and escalators down to the subway you have the Piccadilly line on one side eastbound and westbound and the Bakerloo line on the other side southbound and northbound with interchanges if you want to change from the Bekele to the Piccadilly without going to the surface and you also have one of these staircases in case you can't use an escalator and there's people absolutely everywhere every platform, every staircase, every escalator. So very very busy. And of course today you don't buy your ticket here anymore. At one of these beautiful booking office windows. You can get it straight at the airport. And then just tap it when you go in. And then you're off to wherever you want to go. Alright, so that was a brief look at the very rich and complex history of the London Underground. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you're interested in London, then come back next week. We'll have another look at it's history Until then, thank you for watching Good night and sleep well